Hello, my name is Charlotte Prouse. I've been working with Jess for about four years now and I could truly talk about how amazing she is and the true gift to the world that she's been for me and as well just how much she has saved me. And I'm truly so beyond thankful for her. When Jess and I first started working together, um, I was definitely someone who did not want to be there and did not want to listen and did not want to work with her. But being the amazing spitfire, tough love woman that she is, um, she never gave up on me. She truly has been someone who has never given up on me and has stood by my side and helped me and supported me when I didn't have the strength to do it by myself and has never once made me feel that I'm not enough. And even in my darkest moments and my darkest struggles, she has been nothing but a support to me and nothing but someone to lean on and is truly one of the most incredible people and nutritionists that I've ever met. Not only that, but as she likes to say, she puts the RD in nerd and that couldn't be more true. She is one of the smartest nutritionist that I've ever worked with and her knowledge of sports nutrition is unmatched. Not only that, but her ability to take that and mold it into her personality and her beliefs as a human and, you know, understand each of her clients individually and how their beliefs are different as well, their experiences as well as their sports. And that is true knowledge and that is true intuition and power that she has. And the ability she has to change people's lives and it's incredible to see and it's been incredible to be fortunate enough to have. As my NCAA career came to an end, I knew that there was one person I wanted to stay with me through the transition to a professional athletic pursuit and that person was without a doubt Jess. She inspires me not only to want to be a better athlete who, you know, takes care of themselves the right way, but as well a person and continuing to preach to me why I need to take care of myself because I deserve it. To live a full life and as she would say, fuel myself to be my most awesome self. She's really pushed me to become the person I want to be and the person I know I can be. And without that, I don't know where I would be without her. So I am her number one fan and always will be. Thank you for that, Charlotte. I love working with you. It's such an honor and privilege to be in your corner and you are awesome. And I love getting to witness you come to life as you realize that. Thanks for sharing your testimony with us. What's up, food friends? Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Jazz, and if you're new here, I'm so happy you are here. I am a body bully warrior, food freedom guru, nutrition nerd with a capital RD. Get it for registered dietitian. <laughs> I am here to help you become an empowered eater. I'm dishing out nutrition fun with a side of science as we learn how to let go of guilt and that all or nothing mentality. I'm an eating disorder and insecurity-filled girl turned energizer bunny who just has an insatiable appetite for life. I'm a speaker, founder, and certified eating disorder and sports nutrition specialist. I'm fueled by faith, delicious food, and lots and lots of fun. I am in your corner cheering you on because I know you have this inner awesome and we just need to fuel it right. We need to fuel it with the right food, the right mental thoughts, the right relationships. I'm here to fuel your awesome with the nutrition info that supports you, empowers you, mental strength training, and confidence that radiates regardless of your body shape. 
This show is for the woman who wants to eat healthy but doesn't quite know what that looks like. The girl who's trying to break up with diet culture because she finally realizes there is no such thing as a perfect body but also kind of scared that if she lets that go, she's settling. The mama who's trying to take care of herself and feed a whole entire family all before running out the door at 7 a.m. The college grad trying to get her feet on the ground and wondering if being healthier or skinnier or prettier would help. And the superwoman out there who is absolutely crushing life but still feeling like it isn't enough. Oh girls, the struggle is real! But you know you hold an inner awesome and I know you know this because you're here. You downloaded this podcast, you're listening, you're tuning in. So if you're ready to be the healthiest version of yourself, here we go. Food freedom means food is just food, and you can channel that energy you used to use to obsess about food in your body, you know, like all that, changing your outfit a hundred times or weighing food over and over. Now we take that energy and we can channel it towards serving your purpose, your family, your work, your inner awesome. It's so crazy how there's this ripple effect when we allow ourselves to be the healthiest version of ourselves. Our family feels it, our work feels it, girls, the world needs it. I'm stoked to be in your corner. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at JessBrownRD or check out all my resources, JessBrownRD.com. All right, Superwoman, are you ready to channel that inner awesome? We're going to take it up to the next level. Grab a cup of coffee, lace up your running shoes. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited. I have my work wife here, Kimberly Payne. Guys, if you haven't listened to Kim before, she's been on the show a few times. She is, I call her my work wife because her and I just work so awesome together. I always joke, like till death do us part in this work world, Kim. (laughs) But she's also an LPCC. She's a director of higher level of care at an eating disorders treatment center. And she has a virtual private practice providing mental strength training skills to folks all over the country. Guys, she is such a gift to me, and I wanted to share her with you all. So I've asked her to come on the show regularly. So she came on last month. If you didn't check out episode number 44, Mental Makeover, be sure you do that. We talked about some basic mental strength training skills and how to really move your motivation into action and start getting some momentum on the goals you guys are setting. So today we're going to pick up right where we left off, continue this motivation makeover series, and we're going to be talking about believing that what you want to happen will happen. Kim, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks, Jess. I'm so glad to be back and to maybe have some consistency in sharing some of these cool mental strength tricks and techniques and a little bit of the knowledge behind it. Awesome. Well, so this topic, believing that what you want to happen will happen, kind of like this idea of self-fulfilling prophecy, future flying. I'm super excited to dive into this, but before we do, tell me a little bit of the background behind why you wanted to talk about this today. So this has been coming up more and more for everybody that I work with. So people with eating disorders, people with mental strength, and it's this idea that If we think something or we want something, it's almost scary to even get to that point. People are not even wanting to think about it. So when COVID first came up, which is when I really started seeing this and thinking about it, we all went into lockdown, right? So everybody was at home and nobody really had a choice to do anything. Now, however, at least people are going back to work and school and they're having more interactions with other people. 
And since this re-engagement with society, I have heard people continually make a statement regarding their lack of desire to even start something new because of the fear that it will not happen. Mm, so, like, this is even, isn't even new, right? Like, this is a thing we all know, but it's now that people are not even wanting to think about it happening. They're not necessarily saying, no, I can't make that first step. They're saying, I don't even want to think it's a possibility because I'll be sad if it doesn't happen. Do you think some of that was because we were, like, locked down and everybody was isolated? Like, we had kind of this... I mean, we weren't interacting with people. What do you think about that? I think there's a lot of things going on there of why people don't want to engage. I think it is like COVID. It was a shock, right? Everything was ripped away from people. We were stuck at home. But I also think a big part of it is just the way that our world works now is that people have this idea because they get a lot of positive support about if you think about something and you want to do it then the ball starts rolling. And I think a lot of people are scared of actually being successful. They're scared of their life actually picking up and getting what they want because then you have to ask yourself, then what? Then what am I going to do with that? And that may seem really scary for some people, like a huge commitment they're not ready for. Yeah, like there's almost more burden with success. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, you're going to have to work more. You're going to have to probably put more energy into it. And people focus on the negative aspect of that rather than the positive. Mm -hmm. People are never saying like, yeah, if I do that, then I'm going to be feeling great and I'll make more money and I'll be stronger and I'll be healthier. It's more of, oh my gosh, I can't imagine having to go to work every day at that time and put in that extra effort and maybe I'll have to miss out on this, that, or the other. And then if I work really hard and it doesn't happen, I'm going to be really sad or disappointed. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do that with, like, their health goals in particular and when they're trying to, like, get their body in a healthier space. Mm-hmm. Like, when they're trying to exercise more mm-hmm. or they're trying to follow a lifestyle with food that makes them feel better, it's like we get in that self-sabotaging space. And so you're saying that you think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are scared of succeeding. I think that's a huge piece of this, is that people are building success up as this very scary thing, Mm -hmm. and then they don't even want to think about the changes because it's not just success, but it's like the loss of success. If you actually put yourself out there and you say you want something and then you don't get it, you have to deal with the consequences Mm. of that. And I think people really just want to avoid dealing with negativity like they want to stay in a place where they can kind of live in that bubble of things will be okay yeah actually what I'm hearing you say is there's negativity in both spaces like we're focusing on the negative parts of success but also like the what if we what if it doesn't happen so we're just being negative all around (laughs) we're stuck right we're very pessimistic (laughs) right now and I think it's really due to COVID stuff and coming out of it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, this isn't new. This isn't a new phenomenon. We talk about it all the time in therapy. And it's a concept in psychology known as the confirmation bias. And we can talk about that a little bit more too. And yet it's this belief that I cannot want what I want because if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be sad. Mm-hmm. And even if it's positive, right, we look at being success. It's like both of us are relatively successful it does come with some burdens. And mm-hmm. I think people just want to stay, like I said, in that bubble where they don't have to worry about the negative aspects mm. of, of life. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about pushing people outside of their comfort zone now and getting them in like just this almost like space of like, okay, if it happens or if it doesn't happen, like I'm here for it no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, I look at it, too, as, like, positivity because, I mean, I'm not a super positive person, yet when I work with people, I kind of, like, give them this 
questioning look of like, well, then you're missing everything. Like you don't get all the excitement. And for myself, I know if I push myself to do something, yeah, I'm scared and it sucks. And probably the first few days of actually committing to do it are really hard. And yet I'm on this other side being like, woohoo, look at all this stuff that I've done. This is awesome. It feels great. And I try to reflect that back to people is like, you get the good too. As much as right. the bad will be there, you get all that good stuff. So do you help clients like decide if it's worth it? Because you're talking about like building this case for resiliency, like pushing through no matter what, like pushing through the risk, pushing through some of the extra like responsibility that comes with any behavior change or goal setting. So what exactly do you help clients do to move like out of this comfort zone? So resiliency is a big deal. Um, Caution that it's like a buzzword, right? It's Mm -hmm. like people just say you just need to be resilient. You actually have to work up to being resilient. It just doesn't happen overnight. And resiliency actually occurs after people fail and decide to try again anyways. They get through that hard stuff. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, so resiliency actually occurs after you fail. That's like makes me think of, um, who's the financial guy? Uh, Dave Dave Ramsey. Yeah. One of his biggest quotes that he always says is success is um, you're standing on top of a pile of failures instead of under it. Well, yeah, you never know how to deal with difficult things until you've gone through right. difficult things. You have to go through the bad to get to the good or the least where the ball's rolling enough where things start looking good. Right, good. right. Okay, so the resiliency, sorry, I get squirreled brain. <laughs> so this idea of resiliency and it's a buzzword and teaching that. So you help them then work through some of their falls and get back up or tell me more about what you do with your clients. So I even take it like below that. So I think it is about like how you get up after your falls, but I also think it's about rewiring our brain a bit. So CBT talks about the confirmation bias and basically it's saying that you have a belief about yourself. You have a belief about Mm -hmm. the world. And a lot of times we don't even really have that in our conscious mind. It's something that we just think internally Mm -hmm. and yet it shows up everywhere. So like I said, this confirmation bias is you are looking at the world and you're seeing basically what you want to see. And I always think of this with like horoscopes. You read your horoscope and you're like, oh my gosh, this is right. This fits me perfectly. Um, It's because your brain is now looking for that. So basically, whatever your brain is telling you to think or whatever beliefs you're invested in, you see it in the world. And sadly, a lot of that's our negative stuff because ultimately that comes from our limbic system. Our brain wants us to survive, to not die. And really, we focus on the negative because it's kind of our survival instinct. It's our lizard brain. It's our ability to make sure we're okay. And yet... We're complex creatures and we have the ability to say, okay, limbic system, thanks for not letting me die. And yet I know that success at work isn't dangerous. It's just maybe a little bit scary. And we can push past that and actually start seeing what we want to see in our lives. Okay, so so much good stuff in there. So CBT, and for those of you who don't know what CBT is, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kim, but it's essentially taking the thoughts, like our automatic thoughts that are deeply ingrained in our psyche and learning to be aware of them and then replacing that. Yeah, to even simplify that even more, because I like it simple, is our thoughts lead to us feeling something lead to us acting. So in Mm -hmm. this idea of what we're talking about is if you are thinking that things will not go the way that you want them to go, you're probably going to start feeling a little bit depressed and you're likely to not start doing anything, right? (laughs) Versus what I'm saying is if you are thinking, yeah, this is going to be difficult and 
I might struggle and yet this is really important to me and I think I am capable, you might get a little bit of buzz of excitement or energy, which then leads you to making a different action than you would if you were scared or, or maybe sad or upset. Right. I love the confirmation bias. When I first heard of this, it was um, shared with me in the um, model of like a, looking for a car, like when you start car shopping, you know? Yeah. So when you start, if you're looking for a forerunner, all of a sudden you're going to see all the forerunners around town, right? Mm-hmm. You're going, oh my gosh, everybody has a forerunner. I never noticed how many people have a forerunner. And it's because your brain is looking for it now and you're yeah. aware of it. Um, and I thought that was a really powerful example because the car one's really like tangible for me. Yeah. I can relate to that. But then when you start applying that to your actual thoughts, like, oh my gosh, I am looking for everything that's going wrong. I'm looking for all the things that are um, maybe might be obstacles or might be added responsibility or I might not like about this change. And here's the challenge is that people have a hard time reflecting in the way that you just did, Jess, of saying like, oh, okay, that's what I'm doing here. We don't do that as humans. We kind of just go about our days and <laughs> yeah. kind of let our brain go haywire, is we do have to slow down and say, I get that I am thinking this way and maybe it'd be helpful if I at least create a balanced thought Mm -hmm. instead of it being completely one direction that's making us only see the things that align with that thought. That's so good, Kim. So I'm thinking of the clients I work with who get stuck on this body bullying and criticizing their body, like not strong enough, healthy enough, thin enough, fast enough, I mean, whatever enough. Do you have any examples on how you've seen women actually overcome this like track they get stuck on in their brain? I do. And when it happens, it's really that light bulb moment Mm -hmm. for me as a therapist. The one person that really pops out in my mind is a woman who came to me session after session talking about how much she hated her body. And as a therapist, it puts me in the spot of trying to challenge that, right? Which is what we want to do. And however, until she was able to look at the belief pattern she had, she was stuck in it. And then one day she walked in and told me, like, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired of always being fixated on this. And so we got to switch the the script. We got to be able to look at it in a different way. So when she started looking at what she really wanted to do with her body, which for her, it was mountain biking, we got to change the whole thought pattern into what her body was actually capable of doing. So she was really fixated on how big her legs were for so long that it (laughs) wasn't getting her dates and clothes weren't fitting and people didn't like her and it just made her feel so insecure. When she linked it to mountain biking, it was finally like, damn, I'm so happy I have these big legs because I can power up the mountain faster than any of my friends. And she finally got into that badass phase of her body image recovery which is all based on challenging that confirmation bias. Once she got out of that old path of constantly telling herself the same thing and only looking for evidence that that was true, she was able to see all the other cool things that she was capable of doing. She never looked back. It was awesome. That's so cool. I just, I know that moment and when they like, the floodgates open to like the benefits of your body and making peace of your body, it's pretty cool to see. That's really cool. But how do you, I mean, I know you've had this where you get clients that, are like, I want to see the good, like I'm willing to find gratitude in my body and I'm willing to see that I do have this confirmation bias, but some of these things are still true. Like, have you ever had that where they're so stuck? They're like, well, I'm grateful, like in that example, what if she was said something like, well, I'm super grateful that I can mountain bike and yes, my legs are bigger because um, I have more muscle, but like they're still too big. Like, do they ever go back or is it something that we can really pull away from. So sometimes people do get stuck in that. And what I usually do with people, or at least challenge them to start doing, is 
putting more energy or emphasis on what is actually going to serve you in your life. So we look at the thoughts that are, oh yeah, my legs are still a little bit too big, or maybe I can't wear the clothes that I actually want to wear because my body's a certain shape or size. And those thoughts get you nowhere. Yeah. Like you're going to stand still for the rest of your entire life thinking that. And okay, if you're happy with the way your life is right now, I mean, you do you. However, most of the time people don't come to therapy or mental strength coaching because they want to stay in the same place. They mm-hmm. want to move on. So it's really about putting more energy and emphasis into the thoughts that are going to get you to your goals and a more valued life. So you're saying it's really a, it's a like a concerted like effort you have to move your brain in another direction and just like make the choice. I'm going to commit to putting energy into this side of my brain and these thoughts because the other ones aren't productive. Like even if they might be true, they're not productive and they're not helping me build the life I want to build. So I'm going to be focused on this. I like the quote um like whatever seed you water, it will grow. So I'm going to stay here and focus here and it's almost like a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of going, "Okay, this I may not 100% believe this, but I'm going to choose to stand by this thought, even though it may not feel 100% true in the moment, but I'm going to choose to put energy here instead of the other space. You're actually changing your brain chemistry. So it's extremely difficult. I know you said make this concerted effort to do it and give yourself some credit. Like your body and your brain have been telling you this message Mm -hmm. for some wacky safety reason it made up and so what you're doing is really trying to rebuild your brain and honestly once you do that once you start focusing on the things that you actually want then you get what you want and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's super simple and bad things don't happen I am saying that you're more likely to be taking steps forward towards that life you want to live or valued life as I said before than you would be if you decided to continually base all your thoughts on those old rooted beliefs or your limbic system, which basically is your lizard brain, right? It's just the survival mechanisms. I love that. And you said something there at the beginning that I want to kind of go back to. You said your brain made up this thought for some wacky reason. And I found that when folks can actually find that reason, and this is where I usually like yeah. refer to you, I'm like, go talk to Kim, <laughs> go talk to a therapist. But when you can get to the bottom of that reason and almost like make peace with yourself or forgive yourself as to why you came up with that thought, um, it helps overcoming it and mm-hmm. changing the chemistry and the awareness mm-hmm. of it. It just, it changes it. One of the examples I have is this woman, we were trying, she was working on weight loss and she had like this fear of hunger this extreme Mm -hmm. fear of hunger and it was like at two o'clock in the afternoon she just tended to go to like the vending machine and get snacks that did not support her goals it was like you know candy bars things like that and I kept asking her like well what else could we get is there something else we could have you know what if we packed your snacks and she was like really really uh focused on getting something quick easy and high sugar and I, I found that interesting so we could talk more And she started revealing to me that she's like, well, if I don't eat something with high sugar, I get a headache. And I said, okay, well, could, you know, we talked about like the physiology of preventing that headache. Long story short, we got to the root of it. And actually what it was is when she was a little girl, she did not have food. She came from a food insecure home. She'd be sent to school with no food. And her mom would send her with Tylenol to prevent her from getting a headache. And so she had this like deep rooted fear of hunger. And anytime she got physiological signs or symptoms that 
made her feel like she was starting to be hungry. Um, she's like, I got to squash this, right? And so she had this old thought associated with those physiological triggers. But once we figured that out, it completely changed how we handled yeah. it. You know, yeah. then we were able to, okay, now let's actually tack on how we work through snacks and yeah. <laughs> building a balanced snack. But we had to figure out why she had that negative association with hunger and why she stayed stuck there. It was pretty crazy. It's awesome. It was right? super it's, awesome. Yeah. It's very cool because then it shows that like mind body connection, mm-hmm. which we really dismiss a lot of the times. But mm-hmm. our body wants us to survive and our brain wants us to survive. And it's really when we get trapped in these old places of feeling like we are still starving or not going to have food or that our headache is related to needing like a quick high sugar snack is when we don't actually get to move on from it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of therapy around those types of things is the acceptance, is Mm -hmm. the compassion, is the grief over those times and moving on from it. And Mm -hmm. I think you're right, Jess, is being able to recognize that root of it, of where did it come from, also gives us this ability to say, you know, I'm not in that space anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm okay, and I can decide to do whatever I want from this point forward. There's so much power in that. Yeah, so much power. Okay, so we've got a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy, this awareness of your thoughts and feelings to help drive some of your actions, really generating awareness about confirmation bias and how we... We get stuck in those thought patterns that we're looking for. Now, how do we redirect this? How do we really move? Do you have any like go-to activities that you help clients, you you recommend to clients when they're trying to kind of go into this like positive space and find the comfort, use confirmation bias for the good? <laughs> so one thing that I do with everybody that I work with that are that is in this spot of really being stuck to those negative thoughts is looking at how our imagination works. So mm-hmm. thinking about the positive what if. So What happens if things actually turn out? So I usually have them pick that one thing they want, whether it's a new job or they're going back to school or they're trying a different activity and they're really stuck in that negative. I say, all right, so let's just pretend that everything that you think right now is false. And let's think with our imagination, put on like that superhero cape, world is going to turn out exactly how you want it to be. What does that look like? And whether that's a list of all those positive what ifs, so you're writing yourself a story about how your life's going to turn out is you have to start allowing those pathways to build. You have to let yourself imagine that it will happen in order for you to start thinking and seeing what you want to exist out there. I love that. I mean, we do that with kids. Yeah. I think so much of what we do to our kids, we need to like reintroduce to our adult selves. Agree. <laughs> but I do that with my little boys all the time. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would that be like? What would you do? And there's no limit to what they imagine. Like right now, my son, he's so cute. He wants to be a physicist. My dad's a scientist. So he looks up to grandpa. He wants to be a physicist. He has no idea what that means, but <laughs> that's what he wants to do. But then he looks at uh, me and he goes, but I also want to own my own business so I can make my own hours and help the people <laughs> I want to help. And so he's got this, like, he's going to be a physicist that owns his own business. And also I think he said, um, he's going, there was something else random in there. Like a, a, some ninja park was in the middle of all of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so much and there's no limit to it, but I don't look at him and go, oh, no, that's not possible. No, There's no way all. you could do that. I'm yeah. like, that's amazing. What are you going to do to do that? Let's order you a science mm-hmm. kit because you better start practicing now, you know? It's like we feed that. And so I love this idea of doing that, like what we would do with our five-year-old. Yeah. We do it with ourselves. Well, yeah, and I think what you're saying, Jess, of like this relation to your kid and supporting it and mm-hmm. saying, yeah, you can do everything. We should be doing that because it's only as adults when we're faced with bills and other pressures and your boss, 
when you start feeling like, oh, I can't do this, and this is really mm-hmm. intimidating. We don't really have that voice in our head that's like, yeah, you can. Like, you yeah. can do whatever you want. Let's order you all of those practice kits. Let's start getting it going. <laughs> and we really need to build that, which is a lot of this challenging your confirmation bias and allowing us to imagine what we want to happen because then maybe it will. I love that. So good. I'm like thinking one of my lifelong dreams, I know I've told you this, is to be a hairdresser. This is my goal. By the time I'm 55, I'm you can be, do it. Jess. I am. I'm going to do it. Order you the starter kit. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, can you, would you let me cut your hair though? Yeah. I, don't care. <laughs> I, guess. I, I, I joked with Jess with this, but I have not had a haircut since in the middle of COVID. So I love <laughs> you that. You can practice on me, Jess. You're, you're a good friend. My husband says I'm banned from cutting his hair because the last time I cut his hair, <laughs> he went back to the hairdresser and the hairdresser was like, uh, who cut your hair? Because they did a terrible job. So I'm fired from him. So thank you for that. That's phase. the initiative phase, right? right? We make mistakes and thank you. you know what? That happens, but I think you'll still be amazing. I love you practice it. on me anytime, Jess. Yeah, you're a good friend, Kim. You're a good friend. Okay, so you've invited listeners to do the positive what if. So everyone listening now, whatever that um, goal is that you have or whatever it is you're striving for right now, I want to invite you to t- go take him up on her offer. Let's sit down, grab a pen and paper, and start just writing, what if this did work out? What positives would come into your life? How would your life be better? How would it feel? I'm thinking of things like, specifically, because we talk a lot about body image on here, Kim. It's like, what if I decided to just accept my body as it is? What, yeah. what would that look like? And a lot of times I think people think, oh, if I accept my body as it is, I'm going to gain a ton of weight, but let's actually see that through like what would actually happen if you accepted your body and probably be more likely like well maybe I wouldn't spend less time hating it and then I might take better care of it and then I might not feel insecure when I walk into the gym and I might actually go to the gym yeah you gotta flip it on its side so even if you have that like initial resistance again that's your brain saying like oh no there's danger Mm -hmm. you gotta remember I am focusing on the good what ifs I'm thinking about like what are the positive things that can happen from this change such great stuff Kim thank you so much for being here today I'm so excited you're here you'll be here again next month we'll continue motivation makeover every month at the end of the month if there was one thought you were to leave listeners with today what would it be One thing I think I want to implant for you to ask yourself over this next month is what if it all works out? Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.